Hello and welcome back to another pop-up Nimsy live session with me, your host, Tucker Johnson, and a new guest, uh, Mercedes Montero, who is joining us today. I asked Mercedes, I found Mercedes. It was uh, going through multiple contacts. I originally reached out to Rosario Tredusiones, um and they gave me her contact information because she wrote... Um, a fascinating piece about gender-free communication, specifically for Spanish translators. I don't want to bury the lead, though. We'll get into that. Uh, let me just give a quick intro here. If you're joining us for the first time, Nimsy Insights does these pop-up sessions from time to time. They are pop-up. Uh, we do not announce them. We do not market them because that provides us flexibility. And what also that means, though, is if you want to be notified of when we do these sessions, make sure to subscribe to Nimsy Insights on whatever platform you are watching on, whether it be YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. And these will also be made available as podcasts afterwards. So if you subscribe on Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Apple, wherever you get your podcast needs fulfilled. Uh, what other housekeeping items do we have here? Uh, we are doing a marathon today. I, I have branded this. I have labeled this a marathon because I ended up with four four of these streams today. So it's super cool. Uh, Mercedes, you are number two, and I promise I will let you talk here. I will let you talk. Um, later on this afternoon, though, I'm talking to Wendy Pease about her awesome new book, which I still need to find that copy of, uh, called The Language of Global Marketing. And then at 2.30 Pacific time or thereabouts, we are talking to Brian Beck from Billion Dollar B2B e-commerce. That's going to be a very cool conversation so with that i think i'm done I, I think that's my spiel mercedes it's very nice to have have you how are you doing today hi hi thank you tucker for this invitation and for this chance to to share my my views about language with so many people and uh, i want to thank you also rosario traducciones for making this uh, contact so um yes i'm i'm really uh, thrilled with this chance of uh, having this conversation with you and and uh, spare some thoughts about uh, what's going on with language oh. and with language contact especially this oh. uh, fascinating field that Lang translation implies right L language context is that what you said yeah, that's what I said. Oh, okay. I, I'm just making sure that I understood you. Yes, because, you know, it's very contextual, like what we're going to be talking about today, and which mm -hmm. is, how do you put it, gender-free communication. What is that? Let's, let's unpack that. Let's start there. What, <laughs> what is meant by gender-free communication? Well, it is supposed that it means uh, that um, the moment you write, you produce content, you uh, translate, you communicate in any way, you consciously uh, try to avoid any kind of bias for any gender, either female, masculine, uh, or non-binary. It implies trying to leave gender out of the question and concentrate mainly on the person. You are a person to talking to another person, which is what matters leaving gender out of the uh, the center of attention, right? And trying to make everyone feel included, represented by the way in which you write, the way in which you speak, the way in which you translate. Hmm. That's uh, basically what it means, at least the way in which we, we handle it when it comes to translation, right? Hmm. And that's precisely the difficult side of it because 
the languages that we work with, in my case, English and Spanish, uh, deal differently uh, regarding gender. And that's why it is so challenging, right? Uh, to make, I mean, uh, our English speaking clients feel happy and satisfied with the way we produce their translations in Spanish, because our language, Spanish, is different and has another impact mm -hmm. when uh, you try to do that. And there are different strategies that, in which you can leave gender out. Uh, and that's why uh, there, are, there is so much debate nowadays among us regarding what is uh, correct, what is suitable, what is uh, proper or not proper, whether it is a distortion of language or not. And uh, it has to do with which your priority is, I think, as a professional. And it has also to do with being professional and not trying to make people feel or think the way you do, but trying to make people feel represented by the message that you are uh, producing for them, being aware that it's not yours when you are the translator. You are the message is not yours. The, yeah. Right. The important thing is the message and who wrote it. So if the person writing the message in English wanted to be uh, or to sound gender-free, and you trust me to translate that piece, I should make it sound like, like that way. Well, uh, okay, I, I want to talk about that. So I, I, right. I want to unpack okay. that, but let's, let's back it up just a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. So Spanish is a gendered language, right? There's mm -hmm. masculine and feminine um, verbs. So every noun, not verbs, every noun is either masculine or feminine. Right, mm -hmm. and some of those nouns, yes. which is, are reflected by the article, the 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 mm -hmm. in front of it, and it's also yes. in many cases, most cases, reflected by the actual ver the, the actual noun itself. You know, amigo right. or amiga, right? Um, yes. I, I, and hey, I'm not trying to like mansplain Spanish to a Spanish <laughs> translator. I'm just right. making sure if listeners and listeners are caught up if if they're listening right. to this. So this mm -hmm. pre presents a unique challenge um, because we don't have this in English. So, and right. many Americans specifically are ignorant of other languages and the the challenges that are faced. Mm -hmm. And when right. when we're talking about and we're seeing language evolve in English, even though we don't have gendered nouns, there is a lot of conversation around the words that are used to describe genders, um, specifically around mm -hmm. personal pronouns. You see on LinkedIn now, a lot of people have their, their preferred pronouns or, uh, right. or their, their pronouns, I should say, um, mm -hmm. in their bio so that people can identify with them how they choose to identify. Um, and so all of this to say that when taking these challenges, these linguistic challenges surrounding gender and then translating them into another language, the complexities multiply. Um, but I'd like to start with what has been the um, Spanish speaking, the Spanish speaking world's response to this? What is gender free language? Like, what does it look like? And I, I think of this X, you know, using the X instead of the O. But specific, explain that to me if you, if you, if you can. And that's precisely a problem. I mean, uh, the Spanish-speaking community is so widespread around the world that there is not consensus yet regarding which is the way in which this should be communicated. So there are many people who believe in this uh, inflection, in this uh, morpheme, E or X, uh, 
uh, to be the, the ideal one in, to substitute the, the gender uh, masculine uh, suffix e, uh, OA, yes, to show mm -hmm. gender. So instead of amigo, amiga, you may say amiga, for instance, oh, okay. which is a revolution in terms of spelling, in terms of morphology, in terms of syntax. It, it has a mix. Uh, many, many things change, not only the articles, not only uh, the nouns, also adjectives, also participles. Many parts of the language are in, um, uh, receive the impact if you go that way. That's why there are so many people against, completely against this kind of change. The same applies to the use of the X instead of OA, right? Which is just another variant. Uh, many people claim, and they are right, that um, when uh, different devices that disabled people use to read or reproduce, to play the, the sounds uh, that they cannot see, mm. this X is difficult to be pronounced. So we, in a way, would be trying not to discriminate against those people who are non-binary or who prefer their gender not to be included in that conversation, but you are discriminating against those who cannot see. So uh, it's not absolutely inclusive. It, it creates another issue, right? Right. And it's um, sacrificing what... one inclusive, including one group at the expense of another. Exactly. Not, not exactly. because I'm sure there wasn't like malintentions there. I'm no, sure that's no, no, not, not good intentions all around, of course. Exactly. But you are, I mean, another problem arises if you go that way. Mm -hmm. But um, at present, for example, in, in my city, in the institution where I work, what I teach, there are people using the X, there are people using the E, there are people using neither of them, right? That's the main issue at present. I mean, there is not consensus among the, the speaking community regarding which is the way, even among those who believe in the need of a change. And then there are those who prefer things to remain as they have always been. I mean, OA and uh, genetic masculine to refer to everyone right? Mm -hmm. Which implies just the priority of one of the genders over the others. Because uh, the, 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 our Spanish grammar says that it is the unmarked uh, gender. But in fact, it's the one that has always had priority. Sure. It is not unmarked. It is the one that has always had priority and we have to accept it and leave it there or just do something to change it. Another alternative that many people go for uh, because it's I mean, less controversial, is trying to use um, different lexis, different vocabulary, or to paraphrase, and instead of saying, for example, amigo, amiga, say something like uh, people, gente, hmm, mm. uh, you feel comfortable with, or people you have, uh, with, with whom you have a friendship, hmm, using abstract nouns like amistad instead of the noun amigo, and trying to avoid these uh, personal nouns, uh, nouns, sorry, with a personal reference in order to uh, kind of skip the problem, right? Um, and many times when translating or writing for, for people that trust uh, on us for to communicate their message, we do that so as to, uh, I mean, not, not uh, so as not to be disruptive regarding grammar rules, the ones that have always been established, but at the same time be gender-free when yeah. writing. So uh, as you can see, it's a very, there is a lot of debate about that. There is a lot of debate. And uh, there is a lot of people who feel rather offended when you use it, 
And there are a lot of people that complain when you don't use it, right? Because they say, hey, you are not including me. <laughs> Why do you talk to me like that? Damned <laughs> if you do, problem. damned if you don't, right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah. the thing is that we have to stop and think what we should do, what we are doing, what has been done with the language that we're speaking. And we need to uh, understand that we are responsible for it too. We are part. But, I, mean, but, I noticed me, that there are many people you. waiting for someone to tell you what to do, right? Yeah. Many of my colleagues are kind of waiting for someone to say, well, hey, this is accepted. Now you can do it. Uh -huh. If, I mean, but at the same time, who are we waiting to tell us what to do? Well, and who's we? <laughs> right. Who's who's we? Now, this yeah. is what I want to ask, because you say it's like, oh, there's this there's this hot debate going on and there's controversy mm -hmm. and yeah. all of this stuff. But who is we? Are we talking about like linguist, like translator communities, mm -hmm. Facebook groups, pros mm -hmm. boards? Or are we talking about the general public on this? Because one thing that I've noticed is these gender and like language justice type things that were um, coming up these days, they're mm -hmm. seeping into the mainstream. And it's, it's fascinating to watch because typically this localization industry, like we're, we're a shadow industry. Like we operate in the background. No one knows we exist if we're doing our job right, right? People only know exactly. translation exists if, 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 if there's a problem, if you get screwed up, right? And for perhaps not the first time, but um, for a time right now, we're seeing things pertaining to language, things pertaining to translation, interpretation, c being reported on in mainstream news and um, in everywhere. And it's interesting to mm -hmm. watch. So that's why I wanted to declare that's just all a very long winded way of asking you who is we like who is discussing? this? Okay. Yeah, sorry, because I, I... I took it for granted, but it's not, I mean, uh, so clear. When I say we, I'm talking about the, the ones that work in the language industry, the, the ones okay. that think of translation as a profession, the ones who, like me, for example, translate, but also teach and prepare others to, to do my job as a translator in the future, right? I think that we should be, uh, we should take responsibility. Because uh, when I, whenever I, I talk to my students, I tell them, hey, you're not just language users like any other. You, are not, you, you will not be like the general public because you will be creating language when you translate. I mean, people will learn how to speak Spanish from your translations. Mm -hmm. People will assume that the way you translate is right just because you're using it. If I'm working in a factory, for example, and the operator's manual reads... Uh, something, I will assume that it is correct. I won't think that the way in which um, the, the translator has conveyed the message is wrong. I will trust the translator. That's why I believe that translators, especially the ones that we enter the job market in the, in the future, should be really prepared for this, for this change and for this challenge. Uh, because they are, I always tell my students, listen, you are the linguistic models of my kids. Because my kids will watch cartoons that you will translate, will use toys that you will, right. use, uh, instructions you will translate. So you will teach my kids how to speak Spanish together with me. And you will create, I mean, linguistic uh, awareness among the citizenship also regarding gender, right? So instead of sitting here and wait 
for the Royal Academy to tell us which is the list of rules that we should apply or not, just stop and think, okay, what can we do about it in the meantime? Are we going to promote language change? Are we going to uh, put a stop and say, no, let's uh, sit and wait for the language change, uh, make, getting out of the question, I mean, as, as translators. I think the same regarding teachers, teachers interacting with kids. I mean, I'm a mother of three and I'm very worried about the kind of language they are learning. I'm very I'm worried really about worried the language my kids are learning. I pay a lot of learning. attention. <laughs> yeah, I have a bad it's mouth. A, that's another issue. <laughs> yeah, that's another issue. Yes. Mercedes, I don't yeah, want to interrupt you. You're on a roll, but I'm trying to get to these comments here. And, um, oh, one of these is old. But Mario Line, mm-hmm. uh, oh, did I just completely disrupt the flow? I'm sorry. These comments are from my old session. No, it's okay. Disregard. No that was. This is our first marathon. I've never done this before. So comments. <laughs> okay. We'll get those out of here. All right. I, just, I, I killed okay. I killed your flow here, but <laughs> but by all <laughs> means continue. I'm just sitting here like in awe, like listening to this because it's hard because this because this is a controversial thing, or if people mm-hmm. can make it a controversial thing. It's very hard, or I have found it very hard to find like unbiased information about like, cause I just want to know, like, what does this look like? Like, what is gender free communication? What is avoiding linguistic discrimination? How, how can you discriminate linguistically? Like I want answers to these questions, but it's very hard to find answers to them because what is published out there is usually taking one side, one side, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It, it, exactly. It's picking a side. So it's very nice just to talk to you and kind of understand this is, this is what it's all about. This is, this is why people are, are challenged by it. Um, but mm-hmm. I, a question that I had though, is you started off by saying essentially translation is just about relaying the message. I forget how you put it, but respecting the source message, um, respecting where mm-hmm. it's coming from. And so will that dictate, will that inform how you translate? So like if you're trying to translate a message that is the context of it, you mentioned context, the context is Mm -hmm. trying to show tolerance, inclusion, celebration of gender neutrality or gender causes or something like that. That's the audience, right? In English, Mm -hmm. then you would use gender-free language in Spanish. However, if... If the source was coming from someone who doesn't care about that, then you would use normal Spanish or, how, or like old Spanish. How, how does that work? Like when do you use it and when not? When do you use X? When do you use E? Or is it a conversation? I, um, yeah, it's a, a very interesting question. I cannot tell you how it works. I can tell you how it works for me. Okay. How I. That, that's all, I, that's I, all I, mean, I care about. Like I don't. Yes. Yeah, I, okay, okay. Exactly. That, that's the point because my, what I want to, to make clear is that I am not giving anyone instructions on how to do his or her or their jobs. I mean, it's up to you. But uh, if in my particular case, if I receive a text from a client and that client wants me to translate that piece of text for a community, and I notice that the way in which it was written is not precisely gender-free and it, that it may cause some kind of rejection among certain people uh, in the in the readership, 
relationship, I may probably write a message or try to get in contact with the, the client or the person who wrote it and ask for advice or give advice regarding that and tell uh, them, hey, why don't we rewrite this sentence for it, this sentence or paragraph or expression not to be used and be more inclusive and, be, and not be so biased unless you want intentionally to give this kind of message. Uh, with uh, based on the on that conversation with the client, the, I will I, make my decision. I'm interested in that. Because like, if what I if see, someone if, wants if to I be biased? That, if you want to be biased, and I am a professional, I, I need to respect your or reject the job and tell a, another person to do it. Okay. If easy if, answer. If, if that is against my values, and I can see that the way in which you address your audience is aggressive, non-inclusive. I don't know, discriminating. I may say I am not the right person to translate this piece of text. Makes sense. But if this is not your intention and that, and you are discriminating against some people or not including some people, but you are not aware of that, it is part of my job to tell you, to, to, to give you advice on how to solve it, to make your source text yeah. better, and then do my job as a translator better. As a translator, the because and the, the best and the translators... Source, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think there's a delay, but the best translators yeah. are really linguistic consultants, right? And right. to look at it mm -hmm. that way, what is the job of a consultant? A job of the consultant is to make sure that her client is operating, not to make the decisions for the client, but to make sure that their client mm -hmm. is operating with all available and relevant information so that they can make exactly. informed decisions. So, I mean, if you think of it mm -hmm. that way, I mean, absolutely, you need to have that conversation with the client. The client might say, eh, it's not a priority. Okay, you've done your job as a consultant, right? And then right. you can yes. make, a, make a decision where to go, go from there. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I wouldn't include, uh, I wouldn't use E or X without your consent. I mean, if you are trusting, if you trust on me to provide, I mean, to, to, to translate your message to the general public, I will tell you what the options available are and we will get to, to an agreement regarding what to use or what to do. That's what I have done so far in all the instances in which uh, things like this has happened to me, right? Uh, what I wouldn't do, is use inclusive language, I mean, this X or E, uh, without telling you in advance, without your consent, because right. you are writing through me. It's not me having a conversation with my friends. If it's a conversation with my friends or a conversation with my students, I will talk to them the way they want to be addressed and mm -hmm. the way I feel comfortable addressing them. Uh, as simple as that. But I wouldn't impose my personal options in your text because the text is yours and the community that you're addressing it's the one that you have chosen not the one that i have chosen that's the way i see it in terms of professional translation well then and, and that's that's our life, job you can speak the to way our, you want yeah, to that's our point my job, earlier exactly. is our job is to be in the background right you know i, I talk exactly. about this is a mm -hmm. shadow industry that nobody knows about mm -hmm. and it's easy to interpret that as like me complaining about like oh nobody appreciates us like we do so much and nobody even knows that we exist no it's not that it's if nobody knows about translation, then that means that's like our key success metric. That means that we are actually doing exactly. our job. So, yeah, mm -hmm. um, you shouldn't be inserting yourself into things. You absolutely should no. be in the background. And by you, I mm -hmm. mean we. Yes, he said that we should take an active role. 
yes, regarding the... linguistic issues, uh, in, uh, both regarding the target text and regarding the source. Sometimes uh, what I notice among many colleagues is that they say, well, if the source reads like this, it's the source and we must respect the source. And, but maybe the source is not right. I mean, maybe the person who wrote it was not a linguist or was not aware of this kind of issue happening. Mm -hmm. And why won't you tell him or her or they, hey, shall we improve it or not? What would you like to do? How would you like to sound? What kind of impact are you expecting to make in your on your audience, right? And based on that answer, you may do your job much better. I mean, at least knowing that you're not assuming things uh, or, or that are wrong, right? Um, and, and I really like it when I work with people who uh, appreciate that part of your job, that extra part of your job. If you are getting paid per hours or per number of words and you do this, obviously it takes more time, but it's an added value that I think it's maybe more valuable, even more valuable many times than the, the translation job itself. And speaking and from... In my case, I really enjoy it. Uh, and I love working with you know, linguists and consultants like yourself that, that do enjoy it and are a source of value and knowledge. And as, as we're are talking about this, I can definitely put myself in the shoes of the client here because I mm -hmm. just recently, and like, it's not, it's not common that I, you know, need a translation and like need to rely, like ask somebody for help. Like I work for, at NIMSI. It's literally our job to help people with questions about language translation and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But one right. thing that um, one area that NIMSI is recently like prioritizing and turning our focus into because it's not a very well researched area is um, sign language and um, language mm -hmm. access for deaf and hard of hearing people because that is a big thing. We just published our American Sign Language um, and the size and state of the interpreting market report and all of that stuff. And you know, this isn't just a shameless plug. It's um, there, there, there's a point here. The point is I needed to hire an interpreter for American Sign Language. I don't, that's not my world, right? Like I, I'm loving it. I'm learning more about it, but it's not worth, mm -hmm. these aren't my people, nice. right? I'm an outsider. So I went, I'm ashamed to say this, please, if if you work at an ASL company. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> well, no, I'm ashamed to say this, but I hired uh, an interpreter off of Upwork and it was just a delightful experience because, and she worked with an agency, I believe, but it was just a delightful experience because like she would ask me questions and she would guide me through it. So questions that I didn't even think, like what kind of background do you want? Um, what tone do you want? I'm like, oh, tone? What are you talking about? There is no tone. It's sign language, you know, because of my ignorance. And, you know, I can show it here. This was, you know, this is the report. And you know, obviously, there's there's no sound to it. This isn't the report, but this is this is what she did. And I'm going to get her name so I can tag her on this, and she can see it. Um, yes. Because I'm very pleased with this work, which was done in less than 24 hours, by the way. And um, the reason it was done in less than 24 hours, and I is because she worked with me as an expert consultant. Right. right. She helped right. guide me and ask me these questions and made sure that I was aware of all of these things that I wouldn't even have thought of. Like, what's the wardrobe? 
I've never had to ask a translator. You know, all of these Spanish translation, um, these Spanish translators, and I, I, I apologize if you are deaf or hard of hearing and you're trying to watch this at the same time as reading the captions. It's not syncing, but um, I'll move away from that. Um, what, where was I going? Where was I going with this? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, there, there you are. Um, anyways, it was just a, it was a very nice experience, right? And I, I imagine that's what people should expect from you when when they come to you for Spanish translations, being made aware of asking the questions they don't even think to ask, and being made aware of the challenges that they're not even aware of. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, we are always expected to, to give advice and to ask for advice or at least for opinions regarding the decisions that we're planning to make or that we would uh, implement in the translation, not only regarding gender, also regarding uh, tone, as you said, register, uh, the dialectal variety that you're going to use or how understandable certain terms would be or if they are related to a certain Spanish-speaking region or not. Uh, there are many issues that uh, should be uh, included in our conversations with the clients, especially now when uh, this uh, gender uh, language is so debatable, right? And also what you said before, uh, issues regarding uh, the diversity uh, of people who will access your text should be taken into consideration. I always think of a lot, a lot about the complexity of the sentences that I have to translate when the people who read them, who will read them, uh, may have different educational levels. And so I have to bear in mind all the time, is this sentence too long, too complex? It, leaving aside uh, gender, yes? So being inclusive implies much more than gender itself. Obviously, gender is uh, an issue, a very important one. But it's not the only thing to bear in mind when no. you want to be inclusive, really inclusive. It's it's just the latest in a long list of things to be aware of. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. And mm -hmm. it's and that's why it's fascinating for me to talk about. Question: How how has like academia? Because Spanish is uh, I don't know the term, but it is a regulated like or, uh, language, so to speak. Right? Like there are there's uh, associations. I'm thinking of hey, and excuse my dumb questions. Not a, it's not a Spanish linguist, but like the Real Academia de Español, I, I believe, um, like publishes guidelines and stuff. Um, so there are resources out there. It's not like an underserved language. How have quote unquote the authorities or the powers that be in the in the profession? for the language, how have they reacted to this? How are they reacting to it? Are they reacting to it? They are reacting, yes, of course, because they have to give us some kind of an answer or some kind of uh, guideline. Uh, they are reacting against it. They, but they oh. have, to begin with, the mere, I mean, the fact that they have stopped to think about it, to analyze it, to do research, and then give it a reply, it's a... Uh, a clear sign that they are worried about it because it is undeniable, it's happening. They told us once and again that we should refrain from this kind of, uh, oh, um, these alternative uh, morphemes E and X to substitute O and A, saying that it is uh, a way, uh, saying that it is a strategy that complicates the way in which Spanish is used and it is not part of the nature of our language as if it were not uh, 
well, masculine gender is another convention. Well, but what, what is the nature of a language? Language, by definition, is a fluid. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's they, they want to keep. I mean, they want us to keep things the way they were, the way they have always uh, they, been in terms of the tradition, the linguistic tradition, right? And they claim that uh, masculine gender is the unmarked gender, and so we should be happy using it to refer to people, all kinds of people, yes? Either uh, male, female, non-binary people, all of us should be feel pleased and happy with masculine ge uh, generic. But the fact is that it's not really happening. Many people feel out, many people feel offended, many people feel not represented by it, so we should do something about it. What they suggest, what they also say is that um, the use of duplicates like todos y todas instead of when you want to say everyone instead of todos, which would be a case of genetic masculine, uh, many people are using todos y todas or todas y todos to make, to make it clear that they are referring to both men and women. According to the academy, that is redundant, that is not necessary, that is against linguistic economy, and uh, it creates a lot of problems too, because sometimes when you have character number restrictions, when subtitling, for example, it's a problem if you go that sure. way. I mean, we should be very creative so as to find ways in which you can be gender-free or try to be gender-free and keep to the rules. I mean, respect, follow the rules the way they have been implemented so far so as not to offend anyone. <laughs> and besides, another issue is that uh, using the X or the E uh, sounds very disruptive well, for, for some people. First of all, like so can I just interrupt for yes. one second? How do I of pronounce course, the course. X, right? If todos, todas, how do I pronounce toad XS? No, you can't. You can't oh, pronounce it's it. It's just you, written. You, okay. You say todos. You, you say todos. Todes, like with an E, right? Todes? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. In Argentina, there are, in Argentina, there are many, many people, especially those aged uh, 20, those in their 20s. Mm -hmm. It's very common to hear them saying todis with an I, right? Right. Hi, amigos. Yes, things like this. Okay, As a kind okay. of funny way of speaking, but it's a clear symptom that younger generations need language to change. They, they, younger is, generations need language to change. Well, it's yes, universal yes. truth. I think that's probably it's, always been true, right? It's just this yes, is the latest generation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But, um, but the, the difference here, that, okay, yeah, go, go, yes. go, go, go. I don't. No, something, just a, a comment that the point is that also when you uh, face a text that you have to translate and you think, okay, this text has nothing to do with gender, so I'm going to try to avoid gendered words, blah, blah, blah. Reasonable. And I'm going to use, for example, E or X in my, in my nouns, right? Probably you may, many readers will be distracted from the main point mm -hmm. that the text is dealing with, from the main topic, because many of them will feel uh, either rejection or uh, surprise the moment they read that spelled that way. Yeah. So we have to be very careful and tactful when when using these kind of alternatives because among certain communities it is not so established yet. So we have to be uh, very, I mean, careful when and where to use it. Yes, depending on the communities that you're addressing, the topics that you're discussing, 
or the, the kind of uh, genre or the text type you're dealing with, right? So uh, I have a question because, you know, going yes. back to like me looking at the media and stuff, it seems to me like particularly like here in the U.S., um, the conservative and by conservative, I mean like not wanting change, right? Wanting the tradition, wanting to mm -hmm. keep things the way that they've always been. It's like they paint a picture of the opposing side as like these militant, like demanding change. Although, and it's like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. But, you know, are there, is, is there an aspect of truth? Are there people, because what, what you've just been discussing is incredible, sounds very reasonable. It's like, yeah, we need to take a nuanced approach to this and case by case and make sure that people are educated so that they can make their own informed mm -hmm. decisions. Um, are there, um, are there like causes or programs or like activism out there that are going above and beyond to force this into it? Or is that just a boogeyman that's been created by the media? No, there are, uh, you mean if there are training courses or actions to prepare people to do this, to, I mean, to use this? On the, no, like lobbying the efforts life. to force, at least specifically what I'm thinking of, like things to like force change, like legislation, stuff like that. I, I see what you mean. There is uh, a trend or, or yes, we, can, we may call it a trend towards language change, change in the way in which, for example, legislation is written okay. in order to avoid um, biased, gender biased. And so far, the changes that have been implemented in terms of uh, legal writing have to do with uh, this duplication Diputados and diputadas, for example, yes, políticos y políticas, instead of políticos for politicians, for example, or ciudadanos y ciudadanas, instead of citizens, ciudadanos, right? But they haven't introduced... I, I'm nodding as if I... Systematically. Spanish, yeah. <laughs> but, but there is also a kind of a confusion because at the same time, some agency, government agencies do use... X, either X or E, oh. when addressing uh, the public, for example, in the street, you can see notices uh, or, or you can read, I mean, um, labels or, or material distributed for training. So, so people, it's happening. For example, it, it is, it's, yeah, it yeah. is happening. And it's I, not a question I, of people who are in their 20s only. I okay, in, the, okay. in my city, if I, if I walk 10 blocks in my street, I, I can take pictures of uh, notices written in one way and not written in another way in the same uh, translation school where i work i receive for example letters from the authorities written that way with x and uh, letters from another um, uh, fellow teachers written in another way mm -hmm. so you wonder how should i talk to my students i mean the way i want this way but nobody tells you yeah this is mandatory you should use this and I, if one of my students for example submits a paper to be assessed, to be marked, using this one of these options all the time, mm -hmm. I cannot tell him or her or they that that's wrong. On the contrary, there are many people have already got uh, sure. their degrees yeah. with papers written this way. And uh, so that's why I say it's happening. And, hey, I warned you at the beginning of this thing. You're talking to an ignorant American here, right? <laughs> um, because, like, I, I'm not around <laughs> not it. I, I'm not around it. And um, 
like unfortunately something happened that's been preventing us from traveling so i haven't even gotten to visit um all of these places right. i'd love i'd love no, to find an excuse to come it, back to rosario <laughs> no? do come back we can yes, do this again please. in person it's a Yes, of course, of course. It's fascinating. To me, at least, it's really fascinating because I remember I am 45. When I was in my 20s and I was studying at university, whenever we read about linguistic change, language change, language mutability, it was kind of a theoretical thing, something mm -hmm. that happened slowly, very slowly, that you were not even aware of. Or we could, to give an example of that, you should go back to the 17th century and think about yeah. two different literary pieces written in the 16th century and the 17th so as to notice some kind of change. And now, just if I analyze the way I spoke five years ago and I compare it to the way I speak today, mm. There is a world of difference, right? And I know in my family, in my kids, I mean, you see it everywhere. So it's not just something I believe that uh, it's a matter of fashion or ideology. Does it have to do with being feminist or not? It has to do with communication needs mm -hmm. that society is solving in a certain way. Yes. And, and, solving and that's why quickly. I'm so interested in it. Like it, the, the, the pace of change is increasing. And I keep thinking of it mm -hmm. as, you know, if you look at language, we, we call it the, the evolution of language, right? And mm -hmm. evolution yeah. is a slow process. If I think of evolution, I think of how did the dinosaurs become chickens today, right? <laughs> so millions and millions of years. But scientists, when they want to study evolution, when they want to study genetics, when they want to study um, and gene variations and such things, they'll use fruit flies, right? Which live for like a day. So they can get multiple mm -hmm. generations um, and start to see that, that right. pace of evolution. If you want to study mm -hmm. you know, evolution, you don't study humpback whales. You study fruit flies because the pace is quicker. And I feel like the evolution right. of language, all language, all language, but some more than others, certainly, the evolution, uh, the pace of change is quickening. And like, like you said, it's nice. like we get to see Thank like you. these – phenomenon um that mm -hmm. we've like studied and have been theoretical things playing out in real time in a day and age where everything is broadcast live like this and exactly. we have a exactly. front row of seats yes exactly that's i always tell my students that this is a privilege that we have mm. because we are part of the progress we are part of the phenomenon that we are describing we are part of it. We're mm -hmm. going to be objective and say, well, look at what happened. It's happening. You are part of it. It's the way in which you speak, right? Uh, I receive emails from my students all the time and we, among the same group of students, some of them uh, write this way, I mean with an X, and the one sitting next to him or her writes with OA, right? And I know that probably they are guessing, how should we address this lady? How would she feel when, when they write an email to me asking for permission, for example, for to submit uh, an assignment later than expected or something like that? Typically, that's a typical message. They may be wondering, how would, he, would she feel? Because probably they don't speak to everyone in the same way, right? And um, if you are looking for a job, for example, as a translator, you should think, okay, how, how are I expected to address my potential employer? Or should I make a comment about this or not? 
uh, I mean, so language is changing and it's undeniable and we are part of it and we have a responsibility. I insist on that. It's not just sit and, wait, sit and watch what people do. Do yeah. something about it because if you are a translator, you produce language <laughs> and you change language if you want or you make language remain the way in which you uh, complain that it works, right? So, that, and besides, society is changing a lot. People play different roles in society at present. So how are we going to describe these roles if we lack the words to refer to them? Indeed. Which pronoun should I use to refer to a person? In my language, for example, in English you have day, singular day. But in my language, if one of my students tells me tomorrow, hey, Mercedes, I am non-binary. So please respect my decision. Of course, I want to respect that decision and I value a lot this decision, but there is no pronoun available according to the academy that I can choose to refer to this person, right? So in, in the grammar books that I have read, this is non-existent as an option. So I should address this person using masculine generic. And this is precisely what the person is telling me not to use with him or with them in this case, yeah. right? And uh, people belonging to my generation, for example, and those who are involved in this kind of thing, we're all the time kind of monitoring the way you read, the way in which you speak, and correcting yourself all the time because it, it's an extra effort that we have to make. We were taught to speak in a certain way, and now we don't like that way anymore. And so we need to be very attentive. Yeah, I think that also there's when this, you speak spontaneously. this classic example of just you know, people don't like change. And, you know, that doesn't get better as we get older. As, as the older I get, the less I, right. I, yes. I appreciate change. Uh, we have a question. Let, right. Let's do this. We, ha we have a question from in, down here in the comments. Let's look at that because mm -hmm. it looks very interesting yes. to me. Um, and then let's – we need to close this up because I've got a hard stop here. Yes. So Tyler, Tyler Snow, thank you. Are non-genderized objects going to lose their genders now in Spanish? This is a good question. So like la televisión, el ferrocarril, yes. etc. Wow. Uh -huh. No, these uh, non-genderized objects are not going to lose their genders because they are not, uh, they are not part of the problem. The problem arises when you deal with uh, nouns referring to human beings when when the nouns that you're talking about or the pronouns that you're using refer to people mm. yes. important that's the, the important problem. distinction right because to the uneducated mm. or not uneducated but perhaps uninformed um student of this like myself i put myself in that category like mm -hmm. it's to think oh man they're right. using x's like on everything holy moly you know like no. why <laughs> oh and no, 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 it is only when referring to people, right? Or only when referring to people, exactly. Yeah. And and only only in those cases in which the word that you're using to refer to people is a word ending in O or A. I mean, if the word that you're using is marked by this masculine genetic inflection O. For example, if I say estudiante, student, right? Estudiante ends in E. The letter is E. So there is no change going on there because there is no need. E includes both female, male, non-binary students, right? The problem arises when you use alumno, alumna, amigo, amiga, maestro, maestra. 
this is the, the heated area, right? You're going into teacher mode on the me here. You're going, you're going into teacher <laughs> mode. Oh, Mercedes, I got to call it. I could talk to you about this for another hour because at least because it's super fascinating and you seem to know quite a bit about it. It But before we go, I I do want to give a shout out to Rosario Tyler Siones. Perhaps um, can you tell us a little bit about Rosario Tyler (laughs) Siones? Like how to pronounce it properly? Yes, Rosario Traducciones is a very important uh, translation agency, one of the first uh, translation agencies in my town, in Rosario, and they provide uh, linguistic services to many, many companies around the world, uh, not only in English, also in in German, in Italian, in Portuguese, in uh, Chinese, in many, many other languages, and uh, they hire uh, professionals from different uh, fields. And they provide uh, translate, uh, translation services, but also transcreation, proofreading, content writing, um, interpreting services to many different sectors in the, in the industry. And they are a great, great, great team of people to work with. I really love them all. Yes, thank so, you, thank you again. I was trying, I was trying to give the applause here and give you a round of applause. Thank you, thank you. Um, for for making this happen thank you for for coming on and being a guest uh any final words before we close it up for for the day here um well thank you again thank you for this uh, opportunity to 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 spend some time discussing something that i love uh, so much that is language and language change mainly and uh a final comment could be that uh, if you are working in the translation industry or in the linguistic services sector, uh, we should all take this really seriously. I mean, spend some time to think, to observe, to analyze how language is changing because society is changing in order to um, provide the best possible service to those who, who trust their text to us, their messages to us. And remember at all times that we are Uh, the ones who carry the message. We're not the owners of the message. So our decisions, our values, our ideas should be left aside in order to concentrate mainly on the client's needs and the audience's uh, values and and needs when reading that message for making communication happening, yes, which is our our main goal, right? And then, of course, as uh, speakers of the language, you can speak the way we want uh, back at home and with our friends, but the more we're working, we should be very professional and and uh, pay attention to what is needed, right? And to which uh, alternative works best in each case. But definitely we have to be uh, part of this process in a responsible and active way. Yes. Thank you one more time. I, I, Thank you. Nothing to add to that. That was, that was beautiful. Um, Quick okay, reminder for those of you guys that are watching, um, I'm going to be doing this again in like 15, 20 minutes. Um, we've got <laughs> Wendy Pease coming okay. up next uh, is the, the next on our lineup here. Going to be talking about her new book, The Language of Global Marketing, and what insights we can find from that. And then at 2.30, 2.45, we're going to be talking to Brian Beck of Billion Dollar B2B e-commerce. So make sure to join us for that. Mercedes, thank you very much. And we'll have you on again sometime. You know, don't be a stranger. And okay, I hope. I hope so. I you, hope so. <laughs> you want to get that message out. You want to inform and educate. Um, I'd love, I'd be honored to be a channel for you. 
to do that. Okay, thank you, thank you. All right. Thank you, it will be a pleasure for me to do this again. Uh, as many times as you want, okay. Adios.